Well, hi, I'm Dave Swordlick from Uptown Podcast Studios, located in Uptown Minneapolis, and Story Cub Video Picture Books. I'm also a proud member of Ed North, an EdTech meetup group located in these cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. If you want to learn all about it and some great free events, head on over to ednorth.org. Again, ednorth.org. Whatever platform you're listening to this on, if you like the Ed North EdTech podcast, we would really appreciate you uh, taking a minute and giving this a review. It really means a lot, and uh, I'll thank you in advance. Uh, the Ed North EdTech podcast, by the way, is available at ednorth.org. It's also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Stitcher, Player FM. The list can go on, but uh, we have to stop at some point. So uh, no matter where you're listening, if you could leave a review, uh, again, very much appreciated. So during this past COVID year, these times, uh, we've talked to a lot of of EdTech leaders about how they had to pivot and how they had to kind of tweak their stuff for schools. So I thought, why not take a look from the other side? Our guest is Lori Mallory. She's a sixth grade school teacher at a middle school here in the metro area. And we spoke about this past school year, how COVID changed things in the classroom and out. <laughs> it's Lori Mallory on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. Lori Mallory, welcome to the Ed North EdTech Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Dave. I am absolutely fabulous. How are you? I am doing well. So what a school year we are about to get out of. I'm always interested. So many people have these different perspectives about pivoting. We've talked to leaders in the ed tech sector and how they've had to deal with it. But what's it really like in the classroom? So you're a sixth grade teacher in the Twin Cities Metro. Do you remember when COVID first came down or when you got some kind of call, how it started? I do. That was last March. So what, 15 months ago, I guess it was. We left school on a Friday. I believe it was Friday, March 13th. And we had two days to pivot into full distance learning. And holy cow, we didn't call it uh, virtual learning. We called it emergency learning because it was insanity. What did they tell you to do? Well, we, we had to teach to our kids that were at home, had never been on a Zoom call before. So we were having to relearn or teach kids as well as ourselves how to use Zoom. And that was kind of our new thing. And then all the little tricks of the trade that came in and then had to make all of our lessons virtual. Lesson plans had to be online. Teachers were recording lessons and putting them online for kids who couldn't make it to class. So many of our kids um, were home uh, taking care of their younger siblings while their parents could go to work. And they were, you know, be up until 11, 12, 1, 2 in the morning trying to get their schoolwork done. So it was 
It was crazy. I can only imagine there are uh, so many different uh, families uh, in, in uh, diverse incomes and, and everything. That, Absolutely. Yeah. In school, you need to do homework. You need quiet time now. Some kids go in their bedroom and close the door while, while other kids share a bedroom with three yep. or four of their siblings. And if they close the door, it's just going <laughs> to get worse, not better. Do, do you feel that some sixth graders that are going to, quote unquote, graduate this school year should be in sixth grade next year? I do. I do. And I think with, with all the things that we learned throughout this entire pandemic, one of the things I wish that we had had was a little bit more peace in what we could do. So if kids weren't showing up, that they were required to go to summer school, you know, whether it was in person or whether it was online. Now that we're back in school, so many kids that are virtual have kind of just fallen off the planet. And as many times as we can email and call and try any form of communication with these kids, I wish that we did have the teeth to say, hey, you know what? You haven't met the requirements. You haven't met the standards for sixth grade. Come on in. We need to work on those. But unfortunately, we don't have that. We can recommend the kids go to summer school, but the bigger piece is we have to remember, too, that the entire world is in a pandemic situation, and kids are going to be behind what we would typically be, but this isn't a typical school year. It sounds like having to contact parents, students, all this, that sounds like a full-time job. Oh, yeah. I have never worked harder in my almost 30 years of teaching. It's the contacting the parents. It's the lesson planning. It's making sure that all the technology for me is working, but as well as for our kids. Do they have internet? Is their internet stable enough? Do they have a hotspot? Do they need a hotspot? There's lots and lots of stuff has gone into this. So you started out immediately using Zoom as one of the platforms to connect with students. How did that evolve during the school year? Well, this school year, we were lucky enough to go back to school in the hybrid situation. So kids were coming to school two days a week. We had, I should say, three cohorts. We had an A cohort that came to school on Mondays and Thursdays. The B cohorts came on, let me see. Thursday, Friday, and then our digital kids, depending on their last name, came either A or B days. So they were Zooming in while we were teaching in the classroom. So, that was super interesting to do. So was, that, <laughs> was that because parents didn't want their uh, kids to go to school? Correct. The, some, some people lived in multi-generational homes. So if you have an older grandparent, they didn't want to have the risk of COVID coming into their home that way. Kids with asthma, any underlying health conditions, they they stayed home for good reason because it was a very it was a scary thing not knowing what what kids were bringing to school, what teachers were bringing to school, and you don't know how careful people are going to be when they are out in public. We had masks, we had sanitation stations. Kids were sent to the nurse if they had the littlest sniffle, and it's so hard to determine what the cost in a cold versus what's COVID because the symptoms are so similar. So it was being a mom, a teacher, a nurse, a shoulder to cry on when they got super frustrated. It, it's been a lot this year, but I can say that I feel like I'm a better teacher because of it.
so you've you've learned a lot. Obviously, this is unprecedented times. A yep. school year like no other. Companies that provide curriculum to you. Do you think they did a good job? I guess I can say that I'm fortunate enough to work in a school district where we have coaches at various levels that helped provide curriculum for us that met state standards. I've been on teams where we are literally paring down the standards and what is the most important things we want our kids to walk away with this year. So we were creating lots and lots of stuff, but we were also sharing it amongst all of our middle school teachers. So it wasn't just one team putting it together. We had book lists that we put together, and if people put together a unit of study, they shared it, and we could tweak it for our own kids. And if you have a really high class, you can do that. If you have some learners that are a little bit slower with their thing, thinking, then you, you could tweak it to that. I had a unbelievable support from my district. And I know there's, there were a ton of forums out there with teachers kind of sharing ideas back and forth. Were you guys involved in uh, that kind of uh, feedback of ideas? Yeah. In our district, we use Schoology, and we have a course in there. I'm on a part of the ELA team, so our coaches, everything was put there, and we could go in and pick what we wanted. Another one was this uh, thing that was on Facebook, which was an amazing resource. It was called Bitmoji Craze for Educators, and people from all over the world were putting things in there at all different levels, just some really, really awesome writing things, some reading comprehension things, virtual field trips math things, science things. It was just, it was fabulous. Yeah, I heard about a lot about this uh, virtual field trip where you, you go into someone else's classroom in another country. And yep. uh, what an opportunity. So in other words, you take something that's really not good uh, and turn it into something that is an amazing learning experience that you would not have gotten without this horrible Yeah. I know what you're trying to say. Well, and I think about, too, as much as technology, that's when it can be used for really great things. We have relied so much on technology this last year. We're lucky enough that our kids all have iPads. And if they forget an iPad, they have access to a Chromebook. So they're pretty fortunate that way. I think about school districts that don't have a one-to-one for kids. And how in an emergency learning situation do you get technology to families, whether it be a hotspot, whether it be an iPad or a computer. And, you know, trying to learn all of that technology, to me, that's a huge undertaking. How many students uh, were in your, are in your class? Um, oh, I, I teach 150 sixth graders throughout uh, my day. 150. So going back to keeping track on all of them, and I mentioned it's a full-time job, I wasn't thinking of 150 kids. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is a full-time job. Uh, Well, and I think about our reading teacher who sees 300 kids, and she was seeing kids on this crazy cohort schedule once a week reading. That was, to me, was like once a week they get reading. That freaked me out. So you started with Zoom, and and what I was going to say is teachers are more receptive, correct me if I'm wrong, are more receptive to things that are easy to implement. 
if, if there are all these different steps, you're more than likely to ditch that than something that is awesome and easy to do. Right. Okay. So Zoom, you didn't know about, but it's pretty easy overall for uh, people like you. Where did you go in the school year? Was What new things were introduced? Okay, so, well, Zoom in the spring was just pretty basic. And then over the summer, they added a whole bunch of new gadgets that you could put on it, which was fabulous. Uh, and that was just a great way for kids to stay connected with each other. Well, another one of the things that I use in my classroom is Flipgrid. And Flipgrid allows kids to, if they're doing a book talk or they're doing a mini presentation, they can look at each other's presentations and keep them connected with each other. That was the, that was our biggest thing was these kids are at home. They're not seeing their friends. How can we keep them connected to each other? Well, Joey Tarlson and the entire Flipgrid crew must be happy to hear that you're happy using that product. Flipgrid, a Twin Cities startup purchased by Microsoft, and Joey is actually on an earlier Ed North EdTech podcast, so you can go back through and find him and listen to what Flipgrid is all about, and he is as enthusiastic as anyone can be about a product. And you found Flipgrid incredibly useful. That's fantastic. It was. It was just a great way for kids to stay connected to each other and to keep learning. So were you tied in? to Microsoft in other ways during this COVID period? Ooh, we have their suite of Microsoft Word. We probably use more Google stuff than we do. We're a Google-based school. Kids have access to a Chromebook. So in addition to Flipgrid, what else? Oh, let's see. We use a Schoology platform where kids can find their assignments. They can submit assignments to. They also have something in there called Edpuzzle, where teachers can put in assignments. It grades it for us. I personally haven't used it. It was a lot of steps. And for me, that was not that was not conducive for me. We use Loom for pushing out lessons. We use Screencastify to push out lessons. We're getting ready to use Book Creator so kids can share their writing and informational text right now. Teachers have been so creative this year. As teachers, we were constantly looking for new things to keep students engaged because that was our biggest job was to making sure that they were there, they were doing what we wanted them to do, they were having fun, but they were learning. And so word was spread teacher to teacher, school to school. What's good? What's not good? Problems. What problems did you have with remote learning? Well, I think the biggest thing was the load on our internet, mm. and kids didn't have stable internet. That's probably the biggest thing that we had concerns about. Kids would be kicked out. They couldn't get on. And again, the learning curve was pretty steep on both ends for teachers as well as students clicking onto a Zoom link or making sure that they knew how to go in and get their lesson for the day or making sure that they could access videos that were pushed out by teachers. That was probably the, the most frustrating piece was, again, the technology piece, a steep learning curve for everyone. And I feel like once we went back to distance learning in November, I feel like kids had a much better handle on it 
And I think that that comes from being in the classroom for about eight weeks before we went distance really helped. And we got to prepare kids for what if this happens? And we knew our kids a whole lot better. And they weren't afraid to ask for a hotspot if they needed it. That's great. And I'm sure you accommodate anyone, especially uh, yep. if, if they're in need of help of any kind. So, Lori, you had to prepare multiple lessons for school, depending on if you're online, offline, in school, out of school, out of state, uh, visiting your aunt. I don't know. How, how did this work? When did you get notices of change? Was it quick? Our kids have pivoted about six times since the beginning of the pandemic. So that was the emergency learning. We had no preparation for that. We had two days to say, okay, pull it together. Here we go. Get your stuff online. When we came back in the fall, we were grounded in distance learning, meaning all of our lessons were online and our kids came to school. If they chose to come the hybrid model, they were getting extra opportunities for learning. And then our digital kids zoomed in. If you were in that position, knowing what's going on with COVID at that time, would you send your daughter to school? Oh, that's a really great question. I know that my daughter specifically would have done fabulously in distance learning. It's the social piece that would have been really hard because she's a very social person. As a middle schooler, I probably would have sent her. I just know that at schools, precautions were taken as much as we could. The six feet apart, fewer kids in the classroom, sanitation station, two kids at a lunch table. I thought I knew you better because I, I thought you were going to say no. There's risk involved anywhere or everywhere uh, you go. And I think that it's a really tough question. Uh, I'm just thinking someone in sixth grade, you know, someone's right. coughing. Well, and, and I think that's the other piece, too, is middle schoolers are very social beings. They're constantly talking. They're constantly touching each other. They want to be with their friends. And that social distancing piece was probably one of the hardest things. The mask piece, I thought I was going to be the mask police all year long. I've had to say it maybe twice. Make sure your mask is up. I really feel like the kids have done such a fabulous job. And as again, they've been so resilient. When we came back in February, they were so happy to see each other and so happy just to have a normal routine versus, oh, I got to get up. Kids are still in bed when they're Zooming, and I'm seeing cats and dogs and moms and dads who probably don't want us to see them <laughs> in the <laughs> positions that they're in. That was the, the most fun part. And then little siblings that want to be on and be seen, too, that got less and less as we've done that. But, yeah, the kids have done a phenomenal job. I feel like teachers have worked their tails off this year, and... We are all ready for summer vacation. You are, but you're going to be teaching summer school, correct? I am, and it's in-person summer school. I will not have to be doing anything online right now that I'm aware of. And are students being uh, encouraged, or, or is it mandatory, uh, depending on their grade, as far as summer school is it, concerned? A lot of it's going to be done by teacher recommendation. We did have to take MCAs this year. 
So we are looking at those, and we're looking at their past MCA scores to see, was this an anomaly year? They either did phenomenally well, or they didn't do so well, and is it because of the pandemic, or just huge gaps in their learning? And we just want to fill in as many gaps as we can before they head to the next grade. That's so smart, because there are kids, we, we all know, that need to catch up that don't have the support or perhaps the environment that's conducive to best learn. Exactly. So taking on next school year, let's assume COVID is whatever, we get our vaccine, whatever it is. Are there certain things that you've implemented this year that of course you never would have before that you learned about that you want to continue? Well, I think for me, I was old school. My plans were in my plan book and only I saw them. Now they're online and kids have access to it 24 hours a day. I can put any work that I want on. I can make it a PDF. I can make it a any kind of a Google Doc. I can do whatever. I can put it there. They have access to it. And I think for some kids that is huge. But what I'm also finding, and I think is super interesting, is that kids are loving having paper and pencil activities as well, because they've had so much um, technology that they miss doing just a little bit of it, and some kids function better. Other things, I think that a lot of teachers are spending tons of time filming their lessons so that kids, again, have access to them 24 hours a day. I think that that's something that we'll probably keep doing as we move forward into next year. So if a kid is even homesick and they still have access to that, I I think that's really important. So you're already uh, building a library of content that most can be reused year after year, at least for a short period that really doesn't necessarily change. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned What's your biggest takeaway from this COVID school year? Well, I think that three things. One, I think I have learned to be extremely flexible in my thinking. I've been trying to come up with very engaging lesson plans. I also think as a teacher during this time, you have to have a sense of humor. If you don't have a sense of humor, oh, it's going to be rough. And the other thing is I think it has helped teams really come together. Our ELA team is really solid. We've got each other's backs. And I think that that's just been a huge team-building experience for all of us, are better for our kids. So uh, a lot of people who make their living in the EdTech space listen to the EdNorth EdTech podcast. As a sixth-grade school teacher... Is there something that you wish there was or that might be helpful? Well, I think that anything, as you had said earlier, anything that's super simple for a teacher to use, Zoom, using a Flipgrid, using a Screencastify, any of those kind of things that, one, keep you connected with your students and are super easy to use, that's probably the biggest thing. If it has multiple steps and you got to go here and you got to go there. I will tell you as a veteran teacher, I don't have any interest in doing that. I want something that that's easy and quick so that I can 
take the time and focus on my kids. That's what I'm there for. But if there is some piece of technology that's super easy to use and it keeps me engaged, it keeps the kids engaged, that's what's important. One of the things that we learned is our kids know way more about programs than us. And they're like, oh, it's so easy to use. And they, they're the ones who are teaching us how to use some of these things. But as a teacher, I want it easy so that if my learner who struggles, I can make it simple for them. For my students who are really advanced and they want to take it to the next level, they can dig into it and really make it their own. But everybody's engaged. I think that's the biggest piece. Easy and keeps kids engaged. So you mentioned that you have some groups of teachers and you guys share stuff during this past year. There's all sorts of stuff going on. But if I were a, a startup and I have this great educational thing, how do you hear about it? We are fortunate enough to also have digital resource teachers housed in our schools. And they um, work with district leaders to find things for us. Our digital resource teacher is phenomenal. We text. He's there in five minutes. We have our answer. Our problem is solved. Or if we want to go into a bigger project, he's like, hey, have you thought about trying this? Or have you thought about trying that? So they are kind of the our go-to person. And then, again, of course, the younger teachers know how to use all this techie stuff and they teach the old ones like me how to try new things. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you're very smart. Uh, at least I know that. You're very, very smart. Well, I won't get into it, but you're super smart. It's teaching as long as you have. You've seen so many things happen and be implemented and brought into the classroom, but nothing like this. Correct. You don't want to have to go through this again, do you? I don't want to go through this again. One, 14, 15 months, I'm good. <laughs> I'm really good. Because those first few months, pure chaos. They were hard. Yeah. It, it was chaos. It was a lot of tears. It was a lot of sweat equity that went into trying to connect with these kids. And I think the, the, the hardest part about this whole pandemic is the building of relationships with our kids and making sure that they have what they need. And I think that's one thing that teachers have learned, that we're not doing what's easy for us. We're doing what makes it not the learning easy, but the delivery of it, I guess, is where I'm going. The delivery of it is easy and seamless for them so that they are continuing to learn is the biggest piece. In an environment like this, how, how can you connect with 150 students? Oh, that to me, that's the, the I, I feel like that's one of my gifts that I'm really good at. And it is simple as, hey, what you do over the weekend? Or they come in and they're talking about something. And then the next day you say, hey, how did that baseball game go? Or how'd your soccer game go? Or, wow, I really love the way your hair looks today. Or, hey, I had your brother last year. So easy. For me, that's the... That's an easy part to connect. Even online, it's been easy. And through Zoom, at least I get to see them. The only problem is, is when they have their darn cameras off, but you can still ask questions. Uh, so you're not mandatory camera on. It, my camera's not working, right? My dog ate my homework. Same thing. Uh, yep. Yep. Well, and there's a lot of things around that. Some families that for religious reasons, they have to have their head covered. Sure. So they can't be on camera when they're at home. They can, and or they'll say, oh, I need to go get a head covering. Mm -hmm. Or their house is in chaos behind them. Or they don't want anybody to see where they live. I never mandated it. I highly encouraged it. 
and was like, you know, I really love to see you. I, I, it, was, it was one of those things. That's how you build community within a classroom and you build the relationships is when you can see kids. I had kids that are zooming in currently from Africa. And they're a world away from us. And Zoom has made this possible. It's been phenomenal. And it would not have happened if not for COVID. Correct. Wow. Yep. Well, uh, it's amazing. Another person I I think of, not to name drop, but uh, Randy Fielding of Fielding International must be very happy right now to hear about your in-face encounters with students because his company designs schools around the world so <clears throat> excuse me uh my cough switch is now working it's not and you're saying this in person is so much better it sounds like than zoom yep. however in a panic zoom is better than a conference call than nothing. i guess than yep. uh, than than an email that someone might not check uh, or look at or certainly not read if they did open it you made it the teachers deserve yep Wow, you better get, the governor should put out some giant bonus for every teacher in this state because you guys. That would be nice. That would, uh, that would no, but it's well-deserved. I can't, I can't imagine everything that you've gone through, and uh, I congratulate you on your, your successes. I really do think that all teachers in the state of Minnesota should get some type of bonus. I congratulate you and all the teachers in the state who have had to tackle uh, a situation and have had to pivot more than companies have had to. You're you're kind of like a comp- you are a company, and yep. you you are you're constantly pivoting. As we come to the end of the school year and the end of our conversation here, what's left? School's almost over. Is everybody kind of riding it out? No. Teachers are pushing really hard because we have to finish strong. We feel we haven't gotten to everything that we need to get to. So it's that, ah, get us and finish strong. What a great attitude. What a a phenomenal attitude. Like, yeah, let's finish strong. Let's leave these kids feeling great, feeling like they learned, feeling just like, wow, we we made it. So to your fellow teachers, congratulations and have fun in summer school. Lori. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) It's my pleasure. (laughs) Well, thanks again to Lori Mallory for being our guest here on the Ed North Ed Tech Podcast. Really appreciate it. And wow, what what insight from uh, a kind of a different side of things if you like what you hear as i mentioned at the beginning of the show please whatever platform you're listening to this on write a review of the ed north ed tech podcast is available on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify pandora iHeartRadio, player fm stitcher i don't have a list in front of me that's just coming out of the top of my head so uh and there's plenty more so uh, it would really really uh, mean a lot, and uh, we'd certainly appreciate it. So leave a review, and we'll talk to you on the next Ed North Ed Tech Podcast. <laughs>